Hello and welcome back to Ear Thoughts with me, Kieran. And me, Harry. This week we'll be talking about life, love and chemtrails. Right, let's get into it. So, the three topics for today, the three big ones anyway, are life, love and chemtrails. That sounds like an album from Green Day, like the late 1990s. Yeah, I was was thinking about it, because life and love, obviously quite similar and then chemtrails just completely random but that's to do with the conspiracy theory i've got for you this week but on life there's it's quite a deep topic a lot of these topics today are quite deep and then we just have the conspiracy theory which is just kind of out there and then we have a closing topic which is quite i don't know mellow but the first topic is life and i want to know do you ever break your life into different phases not really i can't remember a lot of it um, and, and I know some, traditionally you have the phases of like being a child, being a teenager, being a toddler, but like I seemingly seem to split my life, particularly my um, teenage and late adult, well my early adult life, into different phases of like specific things that have happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got a very bad memory. Like someone asked me yesterday what I got for my birthday last year, I could not remember a thing. Um. So that doesn't help. Um, I think for me, it's more like what I'm doing at the time. So, like, sort of primary school's a period, secondary school's a period, sick forms a period, and whatever you call nails a period. Yeah. So mine, really, I've been doing from university. So my first year of university, from about September to March last year, that was one phase, and then from march until i don't know late june that was a small another phase and then from june until november that was a phase and then from november until right now is its own phase yeah and i i've I've based it basically on like a lot of the turning points have happened so i had a big turning point in june last year uh, so that obviously was a transition between phases the same as november last year yeah but i was i was reading about it a bit more and they kind of they say you can the phases in your life are kind of divided by it's completely relative to the person so one of the examples they gave was um smoking okay so so, which i thought was quite relevant because you i have a lot of um admiration for you because you actually quit smoking which is actually a really really difficult thing for you for for anybody to do and they kind of judge that as maybe that's an, a phase in your life yeah but i suppose it's all um relative to how much uh importance you put on certain things mm. but the the next question is do you think there's life after death no and and then the question would be but which which kind of minute now, but would would you rather it be kind of a heavenly afterlife or would you rather it be kind of a reincarnation? Neither, really. Um, I don't know. I, it depends sort of where you come from on what you believe. But for me, it's like once you're dead, you're dead. Yeah. Um, for me, it's like your time's up then, you don't have anything else. I'm fine with that. Other people would want to believe other things. Fair enough, that's what they want to. Um, 
Uh, but for me, I've, I'm not really bothered what's after. It's just everything up until that point. Yeah. And I think it's... Um, there's a point... The next point is kind of to do with... Um, uh, do you have a fear of dying? No. So I've got a you fear kind of, of spiders. <laughs> um, not a big fan of fruit. Too sweet. Uh, and tea. Don't like tea. That's not a fear. I just don't like it. Uh, like, oh, milk that... as well. Don't like milk. Um, but death, no. Because uh, are you not afraid of death because you've kind of come to terms with the f- the finite nature of life? I don't care. Um, that's what I I live every day as it comes. Whether something happens tomorrow that I didn't know about today, I can't do anything about it. Um, yeah. Not really bothered what happens in the future. It's just sort of taking every day as it comes. Someone asked me at work yesterday um, whether what I'm doing is what I want to long term or just something in between. Um, it's the same answer as when I decided I was going to leave. I'm just going to take every day as it comes, see what happens. Which is quite a good way to live life, really. Because I suppose it means you appreciate life to a different degree. Hmm, yeah. Because, I mean, that's something that, I mean, I think the good thing about us being friends is that we have quite, we have certain things that are in common, right? But then we have other things which we completely, like, disagree on. Yeah. Because, like that, for example, you're not afraid of dying, whereas I'm actually petrified of dying. <laughs> like, growing old is, I get such anxiety from it. But I think it's how you cope with that is if you do, like, do you kind of shrivel down and, like, too scared to do anything or do you take it from the do you kind of go from it if you know what i mean yeah i mean like growing old especially like i don't want to because i'm not i'm not peak physical fitness now give give it six years i definitely won't be um i mean the thing is you you don't you won't realize you're old when you're old it's like if you think back to say when you were in year seven Everyone in like year 11 and 6 form, they look massive to you. When you were in like year 10 and 11, you were thinking, well, they don't actually look that massive. Or like they don't actually look that small compared to us. Yeah. But you wouldn't realise that difference unless you looked at it, those two different periods. So as you slowly grow older, you won't actually realise you're that old. Because uh, I, w- I wasn't kind of worried about dying or growing old when I was in year seven because I hadn't kind of developed to the stage where I was having kind of these these debates inside of my head whereas I've got to the stage now where I'm I think I'm intelligent enough to kind of argue with this within myself like I think at certain points in your life people obviously get stressed because of how old they're getting or stressed about dying because I mean isn't that the entire thing with midlife crises or crises? Um, I think it's different for different people. I think a lot of people is do, doing the sort of things that they thought they could have done 20 years ago and realise they can actually do now. That's why sports cars come up quite a lot. They think they should have done it when they were about 20, so they decide to do it when they are about 40. Well, I think you're sorted, aren't you, with your, with your new car? It's an executive car, not a sports car. It's a nice car, though. It is a nice car. It's going to the garage next um, week, but it's so a nice car. When I say, is one afraid of dying, 
that because I was thinking about life, and that's obviously something I'm scared of. And then the next question is kind of, what is your biggest fear? Spiders. Is it is definitely spiders? Yep. Is it just like what is it about spiders that seemingly scares you? No animal should have eight legs. It's not natural. There's something that small that can like, kill you. Does no. op- don't octopuses have eight legs? Yes, but they're nice to eat. You can't eat spiders. Yeah, true. They are nice to eat. Um, because I was reading, I finished 1984 by George Orwell last night, and his the main character Winston's biggest fear is rats, and I kind of I can kind of understand that rats are uh, they're a bit weird rats. Yeah, um, I don't, I've never actually seen a rat. I don't think. I remember I was walking through Sydney once upon a time, and I was walking down this alley, and then all of a sudden, like, a hundred rats ran across the road. Yeah. And it's one of the freakiest things I've ever seen. It's Pied Piper. That was yeah. rats, wasn't it? Yeah, it was rats, yeah. I think. The The next question is, do you think life is too long, or do you think life is too short, or do you think it's somewhere in between? Uh, for me, it depends what day I'm having. Some days it'll feel too long, some days it'll feel too short. Um, I don't. I think that depends on what you think of life. If you're enjoying life, um, it can feel too short. Whereas if you've got a particularly long day or your job feels a bit dead-ended, it can definitely feel too long. I've, I've been in both positions. Because I know, grow, growing up I always held that life was too long and I think that was more because I was, I was kind of... You know when you're in like year nine, year tens, and you've not really got any big exams, and you've not really got anything happening, you're not got to the stage where you can go out socialising with your mates left, and you're just thinking, can this hurry up, kind of? Yeah. I was in that stage for quite a while because I I wanted to get older so I could do more stuff, but now that I'm older, looking back on it, it's like that was such a stress-free time, and I mean, yeah, there there are so many benefits to being. I don't know, a uh, a twenty year old, but there there's a lot of stuff that comes with it that you don't kind of consider when you're younger, like the stresses of things. Taxes. Yeah, because I mean, you'll have a, you'll have a more comprehensive view of this because you are you have full time you did full time work. Yeah. So, obviously, there's some there's benefits to this. I mean, you you could drive a nice car, you go out with your mates, you can have a couple of drinks, you create new experiences but you've also got the negative of it like the stresses of work the taxes everything like that yeah trust me i've got three business tax forms to fill out it, this doesn't look nice and i think the last point i've kind of written here is that i think we both agree that life is kind of finite well it probably is finite because i'm more of an agnostic whereas i think you're more of an atheist I think so. I'll, I'll be honest, I have to Google them every time I fill out a job application. So an atheist is kind of... Gosh, I'm trying to remember that. I think an atheist is the one where you... When you die, you just kind of die, right? And that's that. Whereas an agnostic is kind of... them. The reason I'm an agnostic is not, I'm not really that convinced by any religions, but I don't want to kind of 100% commit to atheism because... At the end of the day, I'm not really sure. And I don't think I'll ever be sure. Yeah. But the point I'm making here is that I think we both believe that life is more likely to be finite than not to be 
than than to have an afterlife, as it were. Yeah. So I, I think we both agree that life, because life is finite, that's kind of what makes it so special. Mm. Yeah, definitely. But because there might you've only got a limited time and there might not be anything after there might be we might me and harry might just be blatantly wrong but i think because it might not be there's there's so much benefit to just kind of going out and enjoying yourself yeah and and just just enjoying yourself while you're here because yeah it might last forever it might not but on the chance that it doesn't just have have a laugh i suppose yeah but the next question is equally supposedly, I don't know, sentimental, and that's on love, right? So you might be getting sick of this because I've been talking quite a lot to you about love recently. It's yeah. just kind of a kind of a phase I'm going through. I'm becoming a bit of a romantic recently. But the first question I have for you is, Harry, have you ever been in love? Garlic bread. Oh no, <laughs> not again! I told you I get it in. So, That's what she said. Oh, nice. Have you ever been in love, Harry? Uh, no, I don't think so. Wow, I am offended. <laughs> you told me to keep it secret. <laughs> but it's um, yeah, it's a it's a difficult question, I think, because sometimes you might think you are when you're not, and sometimes you might not think you are when you are. If that made any sort of sense. There's a difference between thinking you are at the time and looking back on it and realising if you are or not. Because I think a lot of things in the moment you can think of one thing. Then looking back you can decide whether you are true with that or not. And I think love's one of those, you can think of it at the time. But if you look back and you think, yeah I was right with that. You know you actually were. You look back and think you weren't. You think it's either it was... On the sort on the edge of whether you were or not, or it was sort of a spur of the moment, maybe trying to think you were more than you actually were. Yeah, I understand what you mean because I think you're right in that hindsight makes a heck of a difference. Yeah, because there's been a couple of times where I thought that perhaps I was, and then the one time where I wasn't kind of thinking about it, in hindsight, that was actually the only time that it's really happened. Yeah. And I think it's an important thing growing up is that sometimes you might think you're you love somebody or you're in love with somebody, but then when it when it actually happens it's a, a lot different, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You've not got to try and force it because when when it happens you'll you'll know when it happens. Or or to be fair, I say that, I didn't really know, but then in hindsight I I would kind of I knew, you know? Yeah. And then the next question is, I'm not sure how this applies, but have you ever been heartbroken? No, I don't think so. What about that time where that garlic bread fell on that floor? Five second rule. <laughs> it exists for a reason. Because I think it's, um, I think it's similar, to be fair, to the point we were just making that Sometimes you might think you're heartbroken when you're actually not, but then when you, but then it might happen that you actually are in the future, and it'll be a lot worse. Yeah, um, I mean you've got a lot more experience than I do, so you, you'd know better. Um, but and I, I'm, like, there's that kind of heartbreak if say your phone breaks or something, 
I, you've got that momentary panic of what oh West Brom get relegated. I'm used to that by now. <laughs> um, it's happened too many times. Uh, well, I think we still hold the record for the most times being relegated from the Premier League. And I think wow. we also hold the record for the most times being promoted to it as well. So, um, yeah, if, if anything, we're not con- we are consistent. Consistently yo-yo. <laughs> yeah. You can guarantee we'll be in at least either the top half or the bottom half of A-League. Mm. Rarely are you mid-table. To be fair, before we got relegated last time, not this time, time before, we were quite mid-table. But then didn't the season after you get relegated? Yeah, I blame that on Pulis. Should have sacked him much earlier. I think... And Alan Pardew was a poor appointment. <laughs> I think with with being heartbroken, it's... um, it's you de- You'll definitely know because... You can be sad after a relationship, because that's kind of natural. I don't think that's uh, a heartbroken thing. It's just when things end, it is upsetting. Like it doesn't matter what it is. So, I don't know. You know what? You know. I don't know. Just you must know when something ends that you're enjoying, or even if something's been going on for a long period of time. When it ends, you 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 can be upset by it. Hawaii Five O. I really wanted that to continue for longer. See, I was going to give the example of school because I hated school. I really hated school. But then when I left school, it was quite a strange feeling. I wasn't... It was just kind of... Because it ended, you know, and I was there for seven years or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I miss seeing the people more than actually being there. I miss the the stress feet the stress free nature of well more more the early early years the latter years were a bit stressful but just yeah the people as well some of the people especially I mean you might not get a lot of them with everybody at your school but there'll be certain people that you will miss yeah and I think with uh, being heartbroken when it does happen you you will know and it'll be different for everybody but. You can spend your time, I don't know, having regrets or whatever, but I've always kind of hold that it's pointless having regrets because you are the person that you are today because of stuff you've, like... You you learn the most from when you, like, fail. Yeah. So, like, when you practice a sport, when you fail, you'll, you'll kind of l- normally learn what you failed at and get better at doing that certain thing. I think it's similar with life. Yeah, I can agree with you on that. But I think the next bit's on soulmates, which I've spoken to a couple of people about, and I'm kind of more wary. And I was talking to somebody who was saying that there is one person out there for everybody, right? I don't, I don't really know if I agree with that. Um, I mean, statistically, yes. There, well, no, statistically, there's guaranteed one person likely to be more than one person yeah that's statistics whether you believe that or not is something else i mean people believe the earth is flat so i don't i don't think you're born and automatically there's going to be this specific one other person (laughs) just some some guy on book right that person matched with that person yeah that's just the job just some some like peter there just matching people when they're born 
Like, right, you're with you. Oh, you w- would have been with this person, but now you're actually with this person. Yeah. I, I think it's statistically there's there's like how, how many billion people are, are there? About eight billion people in the world. Uh, I think it's about seven and a half. So it's probably I don't know two three billion. Uh, I don't know. There's there's a lot of adults basically. I was gonna go off women, but that's only specific for me. There's what seven point five billion people in the world, and there's X amount of adults in the world, and the chance that there's just one person out there for you, I I think is statistically quite unlikely. I think there's loads of people in the world that it's just. I don't think you're born and have just one person. I think that. The, the chances are that I think it depends on who you meet as well. Yeah. Like, I just can't fathom that it's only one person in the world for everybody. But m- maybe it, maybe they're right and I'm just being too. I don't want to. What's, what's the word? Not rational, but I'm not believing in it enough. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, statistically, there will be more than one person. It, it's impossible to say out of 8 billion people there's only one person for you. Um, yeah. But for some people, I guess the one person excuse just trying to find the perfect person for them. I think there might be more than one perfect person per person. Yeah, but you don't realise until you've met one of them that they're the perfect person. It's not until they've gone that you realise the next person that you think is perfect is actually the perfect person. And that's where the one person, like the one true person, that's where you realise it. Because, like, I've... You know that I've been on, I don't know, a couple dates and I've had um, a couple partners, as it were. But, kind of, up until one of my partners, it's like... I didn't really get along that well with a lot of the other ones, but then I met one person and it kind of um, revolutionised kind of my opinion of what a relationship actually should be. Yeah. And I think I think it's just a bit of a learning process, to be honest. I don't think you can always have all the answers, can you? Because, like, I, I, I don't think we know that much. I think we learn a lot as you go and I think life experiences are just kind of invaluable yeah definitely but the the last one is well the second last one the penultimate one is what's one thing you truly love and it doesn't have to be like a person and I put in capital letters here not garlic bread (laughs) I was going to say you already know what I'm going to say yeah Um, I know I, I don't know to be honest um I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to think of like one constant thing that I don't like hate. If you know what I mean, like there's always some things that like you get angry at at points. Um, yeah, I like football, but I, yeah. I I'd say I do love football because regardless of what happens, it's kind of just a constant, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, you don't have as much turbulence. At your club's either at mine. I mean, I was in League One a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, I was in Premier League, then the Championship, then the Premier League, then the <laughs> Championship a couple of years ago. Family, maybe? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the same sort of thing. Like, there are times when you can absolutely hate them and times when you can absolutely love them. And again, it's one of... Like, I forgot what the question is, to be honest, because I'm just rambling now. Um, um, what's one thing you truly love? Yeah. Um, not garlic bread. <laughs> not garlic. Double garlic bread. <laughs> Breaded garlic. There you go. I think the thing with family is that you can you can have fallouts with your family and really dislike them, but at the end of the day, they are kind of... It's classic, blood's thicker than water, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah well, but, y- but then I know that. a load of people that who, like, have really... They, they don't have contact with certain members of the family because there's such hatred between them. So maybe it's uh, that's only relative to us. Yeah, I mean, like, direct... I don't mean direct. Immediate family. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same sort of situation as you. But, like, you go a, a couple of strands along the family tree. I'm the same as other people. I've got, I've got members of my family that I've never even met. And that live, like, two towns away. I think it is a difficult question because sometimes you'll, like with everything, there's there's stages where it, it won't be, I don't know, um, this kind of true, true love as it were. I think you'll just, uh, and music maybe to be fair, like we both love music. Yeah, I think music's too broad of a topic to say you love it. Um, I mean, I, I do love music, but... Like certain areas of it, I love more, and those certain ones that I really hate. Yeah, fair enough. And the last question is: How important do you think love is in the life of a human? Oh, very. Yeah, very. Because I'm going to make a bold statement, and I think it is possibly the most important thing. Because, and it does, just to clarify, it doesn't have to be romantic it complete platonic or familial it's i just think it for me it is the most important thing in in our life yeah i think as long as it's the right thing yeah um yeah i'm with you on that because i think we discussed before that if you get to the end of your, of your life but you've had you have nothing you have no possessions no money but you've had a lot of love and experiences with people then you can count that as a successful life. Yeah. But to completely switch up, those two deep topics of life and love, the n- I've got a conspiracy theory for you, <laughs> and it's to do with chemtrails. Okay. So, you know a plane? Yeah. You're you're in a plane, Harry, and you, you're going along, and or you look up and you see a plane in the sky, and there's that white trail behind it. Yeah. That is water condensation, right, that happens in the plane. And basically what happens, as really simplistically, kind of, it's condensed water vapour out the back of these planes. And because planes obviously are quite high in the sky, there's high altitudes and it's colder, but the hot air from the engine kind of mixes with the cold surrounding air and develops these droplets and crystals, which kind of go into these white clouds that you see. Yeah. But anyway, the, the theory is that these um, these condensation trails of planes actually consist of chemical or biological agents. Okay. So the conspiracy theorists argue that normal condensation dissipates quite quickly. So 
when when it comes out, it will be I don't know five ten minutes and they'll go. But these um, these trails, like the planes that they see, stay a lot longer and they linger, and therefore they must have additional substances. Yeah. And the theories from it range from this could be a kind of weather uh, modification, so that the government or somebody's trying to uh, change the weather. And then there's human population, so they're trying to keep population levels down. And there's also the testing biological weapons. Yeah. So that's the theory, is that the government perhaps are flying around all of these planes and testing us or controlling the weather. And it's due to this fact that these um, these trails last a lot longer than actual water trails supposedly should. Mm. But there's a lot of... I was reading it and I was thinking... I've looked up at these before and I've wondered what they were. And I and I don't really know what they were, what they are. Sorry, bad English. But I was looking at them and then I thought maybe maybe it's I I had no idea what it was. And then I researched it a bit and it is just water vapor, right? But I can kind of see how somebody who hadn't really didn't really know what they were and somebody who was quite um what's the right word? Suspicious or what's a nice word to call people who believe in quite far-fetched conspiracy theories a nice word um differently minded yeah we'll go with that we'll go with unique perspectives as well but you know i don't know if you know but do you know edward snowden not personally but you know of edward snowden yeah Okay, so Edward Snowden, if other people don't know, is a, um, what was he? I think it was an ex-CIA worker or NSA worker, and he basically revealed a bunch of CIA and NSA confidential documents to the world. So this is the American secrets, supposedly. And um, he kind of came to the conclusion, he searched all of these databases, and he came out and said that chemtrails are just not a thing. It's it just nothing about it is true. And I think that's quite damning evidence from somebody who obviously had searched all of these databases. Yeah. But I think there's a bigger point here of... It's a lot of pe- there's a lot of arguments about Edward Snowden on whether he's a hero or a villain or a traitor or a patriot. And it's difficult because he got... I think... Did he get asylum in Russia eventually? Uh, I think it was either Russia or Eastern Bloc country, yeah. Because basically he released all of these confidential documents. So the American government called him a traitor, right? And I can see that. I can see that from an objective point of view. If somebody releases your government and national secrets, then they have kind of, they've been a traitor. But it's worth noting that he released this stuff that was quite confidential and about spying and about um, human rights and stuff. Yeah. So, so there is also an argument that he's kind of a hero because he's exposing all of these kind of illicit crimes. Yeah. I don't want to kind of say which one's right or which one's wrong. I just think it's quite an interesting argument to have with yourself whether or not you think he is justified in uh, releasing these documents or whether under no circumstances should you kind of betray your own government depending upon uh, what they do is right or wrong. Mm. But these theorists attend... 
after they developed this theory, they started attending loads of geo geoengineering events, and then they started threatening geo geoengineering academics, right? Yeah. Which is, I I can't imagine what kind of experience that is for somebody who is a geoengineering academic. That some some people are coming up to you arguing that the these trails in the sky have chemicals. I, I'm not sure how you'd even respond to that. Um, difficultly, I'd imagine. Yeah, and there's this, um, I've got a quote for you here. There's a guy, an astronomer called Bob Berman, I think it was, and he, do you know about Occam's Razor? No. So Occam's Razor is this theoretical idea that when you're presented with two hypotheses or two ideas, you should always choose the one that has the less assumptions in it. Okay. So, if I see Harry standing above my car with a key and he's keyed my car and then I go to Harry, Harry what happened to my car? And Harry goes, oh, um, a key fell from the sky and cut the car. And I said, yes, but the car's in the garage. And then you say, oh yeah, but there's a hole in the top of the garage. And, I was, and it just... The more the more assumptions you make on something kind of decreases its likelihood. Yeah. So you should all supposedly you should always choose the more simple one. And Bob Berman says that these theorists have failed to apply Occam's razor, the idea of Occam's razor. And the quote is instead of adopting this long established simple solution solution that the trails consist of water vapour, the conspiracy websites think that the phenomenon started a decade ago and involves an evil scheme in which 40,000 commercial pilots and air traffic controllers plot to poison their own children. And I think that kind of sums it up. I mean, you've got... It's water vapour, right? Or you've got this massive, long theory that's got 100 million assumptions in it and whatever. Yeah. I think it relates to a wider point of conspiracy theories, doesn't it? In that a lot of the time there's a simple solution but people choose to ignore that and try and develop a really comprehensive um quite a lot of cases mad assumptions you know like the pitbull one for example yeah and i think that that's just kind of the thing with conspiracy theories is that a lot of the time and there are negatives to occam's razor because sometimes things aren't as simple as they seem right but more often than not they are like in this case that it is water vapor right yeah it's not a chemical agent and they even did a 2016 study and the thing about this that i find really interesting is that i've been on some websites where they used it as evidence for and against it so there's a 2016 study and 76 out of 77 scientists which is 98 99 percent said that there was no evidence of um these trails right so I I think myself and you would take that as that 99% of academics don't think it's a thing. Yeah. But some websites I went on said that the fact that one person out of those 77 thinks it might be a thing is evidence enough to suggest that it is a thing. Yeah, but when you get adverts for Colgate, they always say three out of four dentists recommend this toothpaste. Well, what about the other one? Does that mean you shouldn't definitely shouldn't use this toothpaste? Yeah, and I think it's the thing with um, evidence and statistics, and people will um, people will adapt it and use it in such a way that supports their own argument. No yeah. matter on the the kind of uh, interpreting the statistics just for the benefit of their own argument. 
Yeah. And I think so that that's the theory as a whole. And I put at the end it this kind of theory relates to a wider point in our conspiracies or any conspiracies is that people are very suspicious of their own government. Oh yeah, definitely. And that a lot of the time when we do a theory, there'll always be that thing that the government did it. Yeah. So in this case it's the chemtrails, the government did it. And in other conspiracies, I'm just thinking now, what kind of conspiracies have we kind of had where they've been like, the government has done it? Well, there's North Korea one last week. Uh, the Moscow one. Yeah, the Russian secret metro. You've got, even in the stuff like Paul is dead, right, about Paul McCartney, they had that the MI5 was involved. And I know you did the... F- What's that flight called again? The um. Uh, three seventy. Yeah, I- I've heard some theories that the government did that, or their governments did that. Yeah. And it's just, I think it's more so in America, in is that people are suspicious of their government. So you ask America what? I think I saw. Well, I got taught this once upon a time, or I saw a study about it once upon a time, and it said that more Americans think that the biggest threat to them is their own government rather than. Any anything else in the world. Yeah. And I think that's different in the UK, because I don't really see Parliament as a massive threat, to be honest. The stuff I worry about on a day-to-day basis is more to do with kind of climate change and stuff like this, rather than our own government having chemtrails that are trying to kill us. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, our, our government doesn't seem overly competent anyway so i doubt they could hide <laughs> anything that serious to say saying they're currently in the news for an wrongly declared fifteen thousand pound caribbean holiday i don't think they could keep the secret of something like chemtrails that well chemtrails yeah i think it's just i think that's why we find um conspiracy so interesting is that you do hear some l- really crazy theories and i just think that's quite interesting but some of the time you think hmm is this like the the moscow one for example and the north korea one they're quite interesting and in that they might be true but then you ha- have other ones that are quite interesting because they're definitely not true yeah but that that's the conspiracy for this week and it was on chemtrails so we did life love chemtrails and the last section you'll be happy to know is not an intense question about life or love it's on video games. Okay. So, first of all, you've played video games, right? Or have played in the past video games? Yes, I've played the games of video. Oh, I see. So, because I think it's quite... A lot of people I know play video games. I just think that's the thing of our generation. Yeah. Perhaps. And I have a couple of questions for you. So, first of all, what is your favourite video game of all time? Crazy Taxi. Which was on... Uh, Sega Mega Drive, PlayStation, PlayStation 2. Oh, and Xbox 360, I think. Was it the original one? I think it was 360. But what what was was it about? It was ported to the 360 because it had a different soundtrack. What was it about Crazy Taxi that you enjoyed so much? Yeah, it was just fun. Drove around very uh, easy objective. Great soundtrack. It, and I think it was the first game I played. 
as well. I think a lot of the time, some of the first games you play, you have such good memories of. Yeah. So for, for mine was probably Star Wars Battlefront 2, which I loved, and Simpsons Hit and Run as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. But do you have a preferred platform that you play games on? Uh, well, it's consoles for me, personally. Yeah. Um, yeah, consoles, usually PlayStation. Yeah, I used to be a big Xbox fan, but I have recently gone to PlayStation because I feel like it's more... I used the Xbox more when I had was playing with a lot of mates at school. Yeah. Whereas now, if I ever want to just play something by myself, I'll... I just feel like the PlayStation is kind of better for that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I I grew up with the PlayStation over an Xbox, so it's just I've sort of continued doing that. See, I started with a PlayStation Two, and then yeah. went to an Xbox, and then I've come back to PlayStation again. I had a PlayStation Two, then jumped to a PlayStation Four. And so, your favorite game is Crazy Taxi. The question yeah. is, who is your favorite kind of video game character? Um. Don't I don't really think I have a favourite character to be honest. Because yeah, I was thinking about this. I I enjoy certain games, but whether or not I have a certain character who I just really love is a different kind of question. Yeah, I mean, no one sticks to my mind. I quite liked, um, you know, Kratos from the God of War series. But the only reason I liked him is because I quite liked him in the most recent game. Yeah. I think there's just certain certain things that I'm I'm trying to think trying to think about the games that I've played recently and whether or not I've actually really enjoyed any. I'm just opening my drawer and having a look now. I quite liked actually that's a shout. I quite liked in Star Wars made Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and I quite liked the guy called Grease and that he was quite quite a funny character and I think that's why I quite liked him. I like. A character who's got a bit, a bit to them, you know. Yeah. And I think you'll obviously have nostalgia people that you like as well. So I quite like Ratchet and Clank because they were some of the games that I grew, uh, grew up playing. Okay. Uh, the next question is kind of what was? You said the first console you had was a PlayStation Two. I think so. It was either that or a DS Lite. I can't remember yeah, which see- I had first. I think I'm in the same boat. It might have been a PlayStation, but I might have just snuck in a DS Lite earlier. Yeah, I was, I can't remember which came first. It's quite a long time ago now for us, though. Yeah, yeah. And what kind of video games do you normally play if you do play video games? Uh, it varies. Um, it could be anything, anything from like puzzles to platformer uh, to racing or. Uh, Anything, yeah. Because I, I used to play a lot of FIFA, and yeah. that was something I used to play all of the time. Whereas now I'm more focused on single-player role-playing games in which I can have a story. Okay. I quite like exploring different universes and stuff like this. Yeah. And another thing I have is that I have to complete a game like a hundred percent. Yeah, you're before weird. I move on. Because I just want to, if I don't. I, I, the thing is, once I get such a satisfying feeling when I've finished a game a hundred percent, and even though I will never play it again, I know that I've done it. Yeah. I I see it more as a challenge. It's a bit like I love finishing a book because I know I've finished a book. That's just the thing. 
But I know a lot of people who play uh, more repetitive games, you know, because they enjoy the thrill of them. Like, you've got your Battle Royale games and stuff like this. Yeah. But um, the question I have is, have you grown out of video games, do you think? I don't think I ever really grew into them. I've never played them that much. So I wouldn't really say I've been able to grow out of them. Um, I certainly don't play them as much um, as I did. It, I mean, single-player games, if I find a good one, I'll play it and I, I'll finish it in a few settings. Um, yeah. But like multiplayer games, like there'll be a few of us on every night or so, usually. Um, so I wouldn't say necessarily grown out of it, but I wouldn't necessarily say I grew into it either. Because I, I think I'm getting to the stage now, so I'm 20 years old, and I just, I'd rather spend my time doing something else, and I never used to have this, because when I was younger, I used to play games all of the time, and even last year, I was playing games all of the time, but yesterday, I chose, rather to stay inside and play a video game, I, I chose to go to the pub, the pub, meet some people, read a paper, and I just kind of valued that more, even though it was raining. I still thought, I think I, I prefer meeting people and talking to people now rather than playing a video game. Yeah. And I think it's getting to the stage where I either have loads of time in which I want to go and do something meaningful, or I have no time. There's no really in between for me. Yeah. I'm either doing a lot of work in which I don't have time to play video games, or I have so much time that I'd rather spend my time doing something more productive. Yeah. And the last question is, if you haven't grown out of video games, do you ever think you will? Like, do you think there'll be a stage when... Well, obviously, there will be a, a day where you play a video game for the last time. The question is, when do you think that kind of day will be? Um, I don't know. I mean, like... The periods where like I don't play anything for a long time, then I'll start playing it over again. So I think it sort of depends on how I'm feeling more than anything, as to whether I'll grow out of it at a certain point. There may be a point where like I stop playing them, doesn't mean I'll stop enjoying them. Um, it it depends what sort of scenario I'd be in, I guess. I think especially like. With our parents, is that... Well, my parents, I know for sure, I'm just making an assumption about yours, is that they didn't really have video games growing up. No. So they've not had to grow out of them because they never were part of that kind of trend. Whereas, I know I know that you did have your video games of the 2000s and the, the 1990s, but now it's kind of... In its whole a whole new stride, I think, video game platforming with your consoles, your your computers, your especially esports and stuff like this. I think it's got to a level that maybe people never thought it kind of would. Yeah. So whether or not it'll be interesting to see with our kind of people our age, what will happen? Will people grow out of them, or will it just kind of be a constant? Mm. But. On that point, I think we'll bring it to an end for this week. So, that's goodbye from me, Kieran. And goodbye from me, Harry.